Buenos dias, familia de iglesia. Let me translate that in English for you. I just got done telling you, good morning, church family. How about that for a bit of Spanish? Now, Spanish obviously is not my native tongue. I think you figured that out by now. As a matter of fact, if you were, if my wife's parents are watching right now, that's Mr. and Mrs. Alvarez. I've been married to my wife for 30 years. They speak Spanish. They're Hispanic folks. Uh, they would tell you that Charlie, he doesn't speak Spanish at all. I kind of just learned that on the spot. Uh, as a matter of fact, if you wanted to test my knowledge on Spanish, all you have to do is ask me a couple of questions about it. And if you ask me one question, I would buckle like a cheap suitcase. So in order for someone like me to learn Spanish, I'd have to do what you would have to do if you don't know Spanish. And that would be to discipline myself and immerse myself into the training and the discipline of learning another language. It takes a lot of hard work. I would need to also start uh, someplace, right? You start in a simple way by starting off with some of the easier words, you know, learning how to say mom and dad or boy or girl or dog or cat. Those simple words, uh, when you start turning them into sentences and then paragraphs starts to get you some momentum in the area of learning to speak Spanish. It really doesn't matter how you start because lots of people are starting things. It really matters, uh, you know, how you finish or you got to keep going. We have to persevere as we learned in God's word. But you got to put the time in. If you don't put the time in, you're not going to learn the language. Sure, you'll be able to utter a few words like I just got done doing just now, but I don't know the language. I just know a few words. Now, the writer uh, to the Hebrews is making a similar point in the text before us this morning. This is a challenge uh, for his readers, the readers of Hebrews, to mature in their faith. That's what he's after here in the text. He's going to rebuke them and rebuke them harshly for their lack of maturity. The, the rebuke, as we see here, it's, it's short, but it's intense. It's very intense. Uh, one author said this. He said, this is the most severe rebuke or most severe warning that appears anywhere in the pages of the New Testament. So what's the main point of our verses this morning or the text before us? It's simply this, that we must consistently pursue maturity in the faith by regularly feeding on the deep truths of God's word. That's the main point of the text this morning. So today we are going to learn how one matures in the faith. However, before we get there, let's examine the scriptures so that we can examine the causes or why it is that someone becomes or is an immature Christian. Again, our text is Hebrews 5, verses 11 through 14, and the title is Slow to Learn. So let's, let's take a look at God's Word together. Again, Hebrews 5, uh, verses 11 through 14. Here's what it says. We have a great deal to say about this, and it is difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand. Although by this time you ought to be teaching others, you need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now everyone who lives on milk is, is, is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. So reads God's holy and inerrant word. 
So the first point I'd like to make is the causes of immaturity. Again, the causes of immaturity. There are obviously numerous causes for immaturity according to God's word. Let's just take a look at a few of those based on what I just got done reading to you this morning. In verse 11, we see that one is lazy. If you're lazy, it's going to cause you to be immature. Verse 12 says that they're acting or behaving like a bunch of babies. Verse 13 says they're inexperienced. And verse 14 says they're unwilling to train. There's no discipline. They're not training. They're not doing what Paul tells us to do is train for this gospel race, if you will. But look at verse 11. It says this, we have a great deal to say about this. And it is difficult to explain since you have become too lazy to understand. Translation, he says, there is much more to say. Think about it. That's what he says. There's much more to say. He lets it be known, the Hebrew writer, that, that they're not going to be able to comprehend what he wants to tell them. So he's got much more to say, but he's not going to say it because they can't comprehend it. He says, you're not going to understand because you don't have the intellectual capacity to understand. So rather, and the reason why they, they don't understand is according to the text, they are dull of hearing, or it's also translated lazy. They're lazy or they're dull of hearing, same wording. So the priesthood of Christ and Melchizedek is the subject in view here. The writer wants to talk about this. That's what he was going to do. But because there's much to say about Christ and Melchizedek. However, he's not going to mention it again until the very end of chapter 6 because they're not ready for it. Notice that they've become too lazy. They've become too dull. You see, their faith journey, it started out well. I mean, as they started off in the faith, it started off well. However, they've been unable to hold a charge. It's not because the writer is a dull teacher. It's because they are dull hearers, and that's an important distinction. They are slow to learn. This is spiritual laziness. Laziness is one of the causes for immaturity or becoming or being an immature Christian. Now, we have to understand something. It's important. We're not dealing with, uh, you know, uh, you know, recent converts or brand new Christians. Now they're acting like it, but they're not new Christians. They're not new converts. Let's look at verse 12 and it proves that point. Although by this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. What is he saying? He says, you've been Christians long enough. You've been a Christian for long enough. You've been a Christian so long that you should be teaching others, not needing yet another refresher course, not another uh, Christianity 101 course uh, to get going here. Basically what he's saying is, do I got to teach your ABCs? Literal translation is I got to teach your ABCs, right? That's what it's getting at. So this is big time. This is a big time rebuke for the immature believers. If you're a Christian this morning, if you've trusted God, if you've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, lean into what I'm getting ready to tell you. Not all Christians have the gift of teaching. 
but all Christians can share what they learn from the Word, from the Bible. Have you ever noticed something about little babies? Maybe two-year-olds, three-year-olds, one-year-olds. Have you ever noticed that they do not like to share? I'm sure you've noticed that if you have any kids running around or you, you know a few. Um, you see, when the Christian learns from the Word of God, when they learn the Word of God, they're to share it. What you learn, you are to share. When you share what you learn, then you are helping others to grow. That's a mandate. That's what God's asking his people to do. Point number two, the diet of an immature Christian. Men, do you remember the first time that you were courting your wife? You remember that? Assuming you're married. Do you remember that first nice restaurant you took her to? Do you remember what you ordered? I doubt, I doubt very seriously that you said to the waiter, the lady and I would like to have chicken nuggets and would you pair that with uh, some of that Yahoo chocolate milk over there? You didn't do that, did you? Because if you did that, that little PYT would be out of that building lickety split, right? And she'd be thanking God on the way out, knowing that, thank you God for revealing that this is definitely not the one that you had for me. Perhaps I jumped the gun a little bit. Now that's a little bit of an exaggeration, a bit of tongue in cheek, but that's kind of what he's getting at here. Uh, he's, he's, he's in, this, in much the same way, the writer to the Hebrews is using a metaphor of a little baby's diet that consists of milk. That's what babies drink. He says, look, and remember, it's a rebuke and it's harsh. He says, look, you lazy sluggards, are you still nursing on milk? Is that where we're at today? Are we still there? Is your body unable to digest solid foods? Look at the last part of verse 12, and then we'll look at 13 and 14, and we'll keep going back to this. You need milk, not solid food. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant, verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, for those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Babies want milk and babies need milk. They should want milk. That's what they need. Milk is good for a baby, but even a baby will grow out of milk and squashed peas, right? There comes a time where uh, they're going to want something a little bit more robust like a steak. I don't know what age that is, but they, you know, if, if someone's 30 years old and they're still having uh, milk and squashed peas, there's a big problem, right? God intends for his babies in Christ to grow. As Paul, Bun uh, as Paul Bunyan's book implies, pilgrims should be making progress. So number three, the problem of immaturity. Immature believers, they they actually create a tremendous strain on the entire body. Again, I'm not talking about brand new believers. I'm talking about uh, those that were converted long ago and they're still immature and they're causing problems in uh, the church. You see, they're causing challenges because while the body, uh, the mature folks, are, are they're lifting and they're doing the hard yards and doing the work, uh, 
the immature believer is typically leaning. You know, someone's lifting and someone's leaning. Instead of investing their lives into others, or instead of investing their lives into training others, training other believers uh, for the work of the ministry, as we learn in Ephesians 4.12, the immature believer is still looking around the house for, uh, you know, a jar of baby food, if you will. Okay, again, again, using that metaphor. They're still looking for kid stuff, baby stuff, okay? So they're not growing. And, and what happens, and what the writer's trying to drill home here is they're saying, look, you know, you're eating milk, you're drinking milk, you know, you're, you're eating baby food, and that baby food isn't going to give you what you need to mature. It's not going to nourish you, okay? It's not going to nourish you, and it's going to leave you weak and unable to grow. You need a different kind of food now. That is what he's trying to get across. Look at verse 13. Now, everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. Notice the verse says they are inexperienced. The immature believer is inexperienced with the message about righteousness. The message of righteousness, essentially what it means, essentially, the message that leads to salvation. The message that leads to salvation. These babies in the faith are inexperienced in the gospel. That's kind of important, right? They're inexperienced in the gospel, okay? Why? Why are they inexperienced with the gospel? Because they do not know how to find their way around the word of God. They can't get the stuff. They can't find stuff. They can't show. They can't defend. They're not ready to give a response to the gospel. They can't find their way around. Hand a two-year-old your Bible and say, listen, little Mikey, uh, show me in God's word uh, what God has done for us to redeem mankind. What do you think that two-year-old's going to do? They'd flip around a little bit, but they're not, you're not going anywhere. That, that's, that's the point of what, what he's saying here. Uh, babies in the faith are inexperienced in the gospel. They don't know how to find their way around God's word. They are unskilled. What's the opposite of skilled? Unskilled. They are unskilled in the use of the word, hence they have no idea where to turn, where to show people the glorious good news of the gospel. It's, it's a travesty. And that's why he's hitting hard here. He's rebuking them. It's, it's intense. Look at verse 14. But solid food is for the mature, okay? For those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. Okay, look at that. That's a, that's a really, really strong verse for us to kind of dissect. The immature believer has untrained senses, okay? The immature believer is unable to distinguish between evil and good. There is no discernment with the immature believer. They are tossed all over the place. They're tossed to and fro like the, like the Psalms teach us. They're like waves crashing all over the place, right? When they, they have no ability, they're unable to discern truth Verse error, okay? They'll fall for anything because they don't know what they believe, right? 
Like a little baby, they'll put anything into their mouth. The immature believer, not having an understanding of truth, will sit under teaching that is not biblical. Why? Because it's hard to discern uh, truth from a counterfeit. They don't know truth. They know a little bit, kind of like the Spanish words at the beginning of my sermon. They know a few things, but they don't know enough. They're going to get blown right out of their seats is what's happening here, okay? They have, you know, they don't know the truth, so they don't know what the, the counterfeit is, right? You got to know the genuine article before you can spot a counterfeit. They don't know what that even looks like. Uh, moving from immaturity to maturity. If verse 11 describes immature as one that is lazy, then obviously you want to do the exact opposite of that. Don't, don't be lazy. In your reading of God's word, don't be lazy. Read it daily. Be diligent. Apply what you learn. If you know something, put it into practice, if you will. I like this quote from John Stott. He says this, Christians who neglect the Bible simply do not mature. Those are true words. You got to put the work in. If you want to go from being immature to mature, you got to put the work in. You got to study. You got to ask questions. You got to do the hard things. Don't be passive, but be engaged. You got to be prepared. Now remember, I'm talking about the believer. I'm talking someone that's repented of his sins and placed their faith in Jesus Christ. I'm talking about someone who has the Holy Spirit that dwells within them, right? You got some power there, right? So that's what I'm talking about. So if you got the Holy Spirit in you and you love God, then you love the things of God. Then you should love the Word of God so that when the Word of God is preached, for example, you knew where I was going to be today, right? We've been going through Hebrews verse by verse, okay? It's not a mystery where I'm going to be. So in order to grow, one of the things you can do is read the passage ahead of time. Read it all week. Study it on your own, you see. Reread it before it's preached. Use a commentary. That could help you. It'll give you deeper insight. There's lots of ways that you can grow. The greatest way, though, the greatest way that you can grow in your faith, Christian, listen to me, is the daily reading of the Word of God. You're like, you already said that already. I'm just telling you. The, 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 the way that you can grow faster and deeper and wider than any other way is to read God's Word every single day. That's how you're going to grow. You're going to grow in, in a healthy way that way as well. That is the spiritual, that's the pathway to spiritual maturity. So, we become mature, notice, we become mature with the milk of the word, okay? That's how we become mature. So when you're drinking this word, when you're drinking this milk, this is the milk, when you're drinking the milk of the word, don't drink it fast. Drink it slow. Slow down. Nourish on the word of God. You're not going to get a gold medal for reading Genesis in one day. I was just talking to Justin Welch and his sister Taylor earlier uh, this evening, and we were talking about uh, something that I learned, which is to read 1 John 
uh, every day for 30 days. If you read 1 John every day for 30 days, you are going to learn a whole heck of a lot about that book. I can guarantee you, you'll be putting into practice some of the things that you learned, and you would be capable to teach others at least some things that you're learning, right? So that's a way to grow. Nourish on the words. Slow down. Ask questions. If something doesn't make sense or it seems like it's confusing, ask a question. Talk to a brother or sister in the Lord who's mature or get some help. Put your hand up, if you will. Another way that you can grow in your faith or go from immaturity to mature is to pray. Again, I said this earlier. Do you realize that you have the Holy Spirit that dwells within you? Do you understand that the Holy Spirit will help you? The Holy Spirit will bring to mind people that you weren't even thinking about. It'll, he, the Holy Spirit will bring scripture to your mind that you didn't even know that was in you. The Holy Spirit will help you. The Holy Spirit is our helper. So we have the Holy Spirit in us. Don't be afraid to ask, Lord, would you please help me to grow as a believer? Imagine that prayer. Lord, I'm asking that you would help me to grow and to mature in my faith. You think God's going to get behind that? Of course he will. Pray. We've got to pray. Another way is to not just read the Word of God, but be looking for what you can apply immediately. As you read God's Word, what's, the wor what's God's Word telling me? What do I need to do? Is there something in my life that's off kilter? What do I need to stop doing? You see, you're looking at God's Word and immediately looking for ways that you can obey. Remember, delayed obedience is disobedience, right? So as we read God's word, let it penetrate your soul. Let it get in there. The word of God is meant to help you and sustain you and grow you. The other thing that I would suggest, there's lots of ways that you can go from immaturity to maturity, but one way is to simply be patient. Be patient. Sometimes we get real gung-ho, right? We, 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 we get saved. That's a good thing. And, and man, we're on fire. But we're on fire, and I want, I want you to be on fire. But you don't know what you're doing, okay? You're just kind of all over the place. I just, I'm going to ask you to, to, to be patient a little bit, right? you got to learn some stuff. you got to be trained, right? So the roots of an oak tree are not put down in one weekend, okay? It takes a long time to grow, but you should be growing daily. It takes time. And here's one. Don't look for shortcuts, okay? That's what happens on television. You start watching these corny shows on television and you got some crazy guy in a suit telling you all sorts of things and it sounds good because it's a quick fix. Hey, look, just stay away from that type of stuff. Read your word. Do what that says to do. Look, to grow as a Christian, to mature, first of all, you keep maturing in your faith. You never stop growing. Okay, uh, there's something called uh, sanctification. You continue to grow, you continue to develop, right? Now, you're not like you used to be, but you never stop growing. You're gonna stop growing when you die, okay? So it, it takes time. Be, be, be patient, if you will. Don't be looking for shortcuts. You know, going to one men's retreat or women's retreat isn't gonna, isn't gonna put you over the top, okay? Those are helpful things, but it takes time is my point. I guess what I'm trying to say is progress, listen, progress over perfection. Yeah, Louise and I were ministering to a young couple uh, just the other day. And as we were talking to them, this is a couple, they, they're, they're a great couple. They love the Lord. They've got their issues. We were talking about some of their issues. And, 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 but here's the thing. Um, what we were looking for, we want to honor God. We said, look, let's, 
let's get you to a direction where you're going to start making some progress. Yes, there, you know, one needs to repent. If there's some sin that's, that needs to be dealt with, we want to get that dealt with. We want to come clean before our Lord, right? But we're looking for progress over perfection. Sometimes uh, newly married people are looking for, man, I, I want things to be perfect. They're not going to be perfect. When you have two sinful people living under one roof, there's going to be problems, okay? So we want, we want progress over perfection. That's how we grow, having a, uh, an understanding uh, of the, these types of things. You know, sometimes as we grow in holiness uh, and as we grow as a mature believer, we really start to, to dive into the deep truths of the gospel. We start to really get into books of the Bible. We start to learn things about theology and doctrine and all those types of things. And these are good and noble things. But remember, the goal isn't to become intelligent, okay, in and of itself. The goal is always to become obedient. There are a lot of people who know God's word, and they're kind of angry elves, right? They're, they're, there's no joy in them. They don't share the gospel. They know a whole heck of a lot, but knowing a whole heck of a lot is not the goal, okay? It's obedience. It's what do you do with what you know. Remember what our Lord taught us, okay? Uh, my sheep. They listen to me, they follow me, they obey me, right? So it's about obedience. So we take what we learn and we apply. An authentic believer of Jesus, uh, this authentic believer becomes discerning, maturing, and teachers of others. Notice the progression there. They become discerning, maturing, teachers of others. They're growing. There's progression is my point. We become when we grow. We become because we're growing. Notice the text. We're becoming something. We're growing. We're growing in these things. We're becoming. It's a good thing. So it's progress. Again, the point is progress. But I would be remiss if I didn't say this uh, on this Lord's Day. You know, there the audience, I believe, uh, is Christians, okay? These are Christians. These are immature Christians. But I would uh, suspect, and many scholars would agree with me on this, that there are probably a lot of those who are apostate. These are people that are going away from the gospel. Remember, they're they're, they're entertaining Judaism again. Remember, the Hebrew writer keeps talking about Jesus is greater than, you know? But they, they're finding themselves reverting back to Judaism. So perhaps uh, we're dealing with some apostasy mixed up in all of this. I think that would be true. So with that in view, think about this. So true faith always leads to action. Fake faith leads to apathy. An authentic believer grows. An inauthentic believer remains stagnant. A real heart change, a steady life change, compared to a false conversion, continuance in the same life direction. A, the follower, a follower of Jesus endures to the end. A Christian by name only, they return to their unrepentant sin. A devoted disciple pursues holiness a mere performer, They're, they have outward holiness, but inward corruption. A grateful son becomes like the father, but a double-minded man is exposed 
as a fraud. So as we come to a close on this Lord's Day, let's be reminded that we are called to grow in our faith. We're called to grow in our faith for our own sake, but also for the sake of others. Remember, we share what we learn. We grow so that we can share. We grow that so that we can equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We grow so that we can do what? So that we can faithfully proclaim the good news of the gospel. We gotta know our way around God's word so that we can be able to share God's word. I like the, the story of a, of, a, of a medical doctor, or actually a patient that walked into a medical, uh, medical office and, and he's a guy that didn't like bad news. And uh, so he went in, he said to his doctor, hey doc, uh, I'm gonna get all those tests that you talked about, but whatever we do here, I don't wanna hear any bad news. Well, that's a ridiculous thing to say to a doctor now, isn't it? Because a doctor's responsible, they took an oath to tell you the truth. They can't sugarcoat things, they gotta come right out and tell you the way that it is. You know, in the book of Hebrews, we just got done reading a piece of scripture where the Hebrew writer is dealing with things straight up, okay? He's, he's cutting it straight. He's rebuking them. He's giving them a hard word, but he's doing that because he loves them. You know, the remedy, uh, there's a cure for this bad behavior, right? We just got done looking at it, right? But my point is, we would never tell a medical doctor not to give it to us straight. We want the truth. We need to learn whatever it is that they have, the blood work or whatever it is that they did, the test. So think about this. Me as a pastor, if I don't deal straight with you, if I don't give you the truth of God's word, then I'm being disobedient to God, right? And, and that's the same with you. When you're reading God's word and you have to obey God's word, right? To not do so would be a dereliction of your duties as a believer. It'd be a dereliction of my duties as a pastor. So a medical doctor is always gonna deal straight with his patients and those that handle the word of God also need to deal straight. If it's bad news, we gotta talk about it. If it's bad news, let's get to the good news. Let's talk about the remedy, right? But we gotta deal with the bad news before we get to the good news. And that's a whole heck of a lot about sinful man, right? We have a, we've got a disease and we're terminal. We've got a sickness, it's called sin sickness. And if this sin isn't dealt with, if the sin isn't eradicated, that's a big problem. Because according to God's word, we're going to spend eternity in hell. You know, there's a lot of folks that don't want to talk about the wrath of God, but we're saved from the wrath of God. We don't like to talk about that. That's a doctrine that ain't very popular, right? But brothers and sisters, if we don't have this sin eradicated that I talked about, we will definitely have the wrath of God coming down on us. But God gave us a remedy. What did he give us? He gave us the good news of the gospel. What is the gospel? It's Jesus Christ coming to this earth and literally going to a cross. What was he doing on the cross? He was literally, he was taking your punishment. He stood in your place. All of the sin of mankind was dumped on him, okay? It's an ugly scene. So he steps in, he pays your fine as life's blood. In other words, you should have been on that tree. You should have had the wrath of God coming down on you, but Jesus willingly took your place. And what is he doing? He's communing your death sentence. For those who would repent of their sins and put their faith in Jesus Christ, he communes your, your death sentence. He, he sets you free because he paid your sin. But there'll be many that will say, well, I don't, I don't need anybody to pay for my sin. I'm, I'm a good person. Well, the Bible says in Romans 3.10, there are no good people. There's just people 
there's either good people or bad people, right? Well, there's only one good person, that's Jesus Christ, right? That, that's God, right? That's the, tri the Trinity, right? Everybody else is not just bad, they're actually evil. So we need a redeemer. So that's what Jesus was doing. He was redeeming us. Brothers and sisters, this is the glorious good news of the gospel. But please, hear me on this. Sin is serious. Don't make light of it. Don't make light of sin. Sin is so heinous to a holy God that Jesus had to go to a cross and be slaughtered because of sin. Don't make light of it. It's a bad thing to do. Brothers and sisters, he made a way when there was no way, talking about Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty for your sins, and on the third day, after he died, he rose again, defeating sin and obviously defeating death. That was the plan from the beginning. It wasn't an accident. That's the plan. That's the plan. So are you on plan? Have you truly repented of your sins and placed your faith in Jesus Christ? If you have, praise God. You've been saved. Now go and tell other people the good news about this gospel. You've been redeemed. In the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, it says this, that the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus, he comes to give you life. That's a contrast, isn't it? Two very different outcomes. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes upon the Son shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Brothers and sisters, that is the gospel in miniature. But you want to know what else is in that verse? That is a description of agape love. Think about that. Think about John 16. That's agape love. Did you know that if you're in Christ, you have that agape love? And when you have agape love, you love people. The mission statement at Lakeshore City Church is to love God, love people, and to make disciples. See, when you're truly converted, you love God. And when you love God, you love people. And you got that, that agape love in you, so you're going to go make disciples. Brothers and sisters, we have more power than what we realize. God is good. God is faithful. And look at what he's done for us. Let us rejoice in the glorious gospel message. I love you, Lakeshore family. God bless you.